0: Welcome to the first episode of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. You may wonder what the title of this podcast is all about. I believe that everyone wants to live a quality life, not just an existence or living from day to day or paycheck to paycheck. I believe we all desire to live a life of quality and abundance and be an overcomer in our life. My prayer in this podcast is to help people realize that the Lord Jesus Christ has given us a platform to live a good life, a great life, an amazing life, an overcoming life. Today we will address the topic of experiencing the joy of debt-free living. It's based upon a book that I wrote about six months ago entitled Experiencing the Joy of Debt-Free Living. After serving in the U.S. Army, I came home to my lovely new bride and we were discussing what type of career I would go into. She thought I would make a good banker. At first, that didn't sound very exciting to me, but I went into that and actually spent about 15 years in the banking industry. Since the time I was there, during all of my meetings, appointments and interviews with people who wanted to borrow money and do various things, I noticed that many people were out of control when it came to understanding their finances. So I decided to try and help people learn how to control their finances instead of watching their finances control them. Then after all the years of counseling and meeting with people during my financial career in banking, I went into a real estate development business with my wife. We built custom homes and we enjoyed some really very successful years there. But after about 15 years there, I decided, after reading a book on the life of Smith Wigglesworth, that a different career, a different future was, was planned for my wife and I. So we sold our business and went into full-time ministry we started a church in North Scottsdale and worked there for 20 years. As a pastor, I was blessed to counsel literally thousands of those needing help and getting out of debt or planning to have money to retire on or possibly figure out a way that they could start tithing or be able to give to charities and uh, the church activities that they were a part of. In the book of Proverbs chapter 21 Verse 5, King Solomon wrote these words, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. That's great advice for anyone, but especially those who think that they can turn things around overnight or become financially successful instantly. That's just not the way it works. The Bible also tells us that the steps of a righteous man are led of God. That means we're gonna have to take this journey one step at a time. Today's step is based on a lesson my dad taught me as a teenager. My father and I were very, very close. He was the greatest man that I've ever met. And he passed away at the age of 80, but we had a lot of great, great years together. We used to go bowling. And uh, it was something that we could do as a father and son and yet not be too competitive but still enjoy uh, a little competition from time to time. At times when we were bowling, I went from being really terrible to a pretty good bowler. Matter of fact, I was averaging around 200 as a teenager. But there were times when my dad and I were bowling together that I would get frustrated because I didn't get a strike every time I threw that ball down the lane. And then sometimes I'd get so frustrated that I would miss the spare and not pick up something that was crucial to score uh, a good number that, that in that particular game. My dad would always make this statement to me and it was so powerful. He said, son, you can't make a strike every time, but always focus on making the spare. The key word in his advice was focus. So I began spending time making sure that I picked up every spare so that when I went to bowl the next frame that it would not hurt me in my total score. That concept may not relate to you much when it comes to finances, but I call it making the spares or focusing on the spares is is just like taking step by step in our finances and doing the little things right. Focus on the spares like cutting back on some spending or establishing a budget or possibly figuring ways to do things a little less expensive than other things like maybe instead of going out to dinner, have a nice dinner at home and just enjoy the company of your wife or your family. So let's get into some of the steps of establishing a game plan in order to be able to have great results. I'd like to start with step number one, and that is to first list the total costs that you have each month and do it over for the entire year. A lot of people think they know what they spend. I've heard the comment, well, I know what I spend because I know what I make. Well, let me just tell you this. Just because you make a certain amount doesn't mean that's the only amount that you're going to spend. So people need to sit down. All of us. I've done this for all my life. To sit down and and set up something called a budget. I know the word budget is a word that some people just run from. But it's really a great tool. I used to tell my congregation when we were talking about doing our annual budget, I'd say, how many people here... Desire, or want for us, or demand that we establish a budget for the church for the next year, and everybody would raise their hand. Then I would ask the question: How many people here have a budget uh, on your own personal finances? And most times, there would be less than five or ten percent of the people who would lift up their hand to that. Don't forget, the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are led of God. One of the steps to getting out of the debt, out of debt. Not having a mortgage, not having a car payment, being able to travel, being able to tithe, being able to to help other people who are in financial need, those things require us taking good steps. And that first step in financial planning is to know how much it costs you to you know each and every month. How much do you spend every month? Now, some people say, "Well, I know that." Well, let's let's talk about that for a second. Have you listed All your expenses, including things like Christmas presents or birthday gifts that are coming up or a little vacation plan or a possible need for a car repair or a house repair. In America today, they say that the average person, uh, household, has a very difficult time handling an expense of about $400 or more. Uh, That can cause them to be in serious trouble and they usually have to use a credit card or something in order to cover that expense. Every budget that we put together has to list the items that we know we're going to spend each month, but there are certain things that we spend over the course of a year that most people don't plan for. Uh, Another item in your list has to be the area of miscellaneous. There's a funny story that goes along with that. I was counseling a couple one day and we were working on a budget trying to help them get established so they knew what they were spending and how much money they they needed to, to cover the cost to live. And she said, oh, pastor, this is so simple. She said, I, this budget thing is really easy. She said, the key to me is that I just list the item expense and I just don't pay any attention to that one. I just use it for whatever I want. Well, that's not going to work very well. Miscellaneous should be a set amount and not just something that's there to cover any urge or any thing that you consider emergency that in reality is just something that you would desire to have. Before we move on to step two, let me make a comment about how much money we make. Now a lot of folks think that the the way to get out of debt is to just focus totally on how much money you make. Well, most of us cannot change how much money we're going to make in a particular day or week or month or even a year. However, every one of us can change how much money we're going to spend in a given day a week, a month, or a year. So in step one, one of the key ingredients is to have more wisdom and to pray for more wisdom in our spending and finding out ways to be able to live a little more efficiently. And I know the Lord will help you. If couples, if you're together working on this, uh, first of all, pray together. I can't tell you how important, it's just crucial that couples pray together about their finances. They say that most couples rarely ever pray together, uh, unless it's just over a meal or something. But I can tell you that, that in the years that my wife and I have been married, and by the way, that's like over 50 years now, uh, we have to have prayer uh, as a part of our daily life. And um, it has drawn us closer, and the Lord has used it to bless us Uh, in everything that we do. Step two in our financial plan to get out of debt is very simple. It's to have a desire to get out of debt. Now that means that your desire is to be out of debt. Your desire is not necessarily a new car or new clothes all the time or greater vacations. Those can be great things and I think we can have all those things. See, When I think of finances and when I think about quality Christian living and I think about living the type of quality, uh, abundant life that the Lord wants us to live, you remember the Word of God tells us that we should prosper in all things and be in good health even as our soul prospers. So the Lord is not opposed to prosperity in Christians, but He obviously wants us to put our finances in His control and to put Him first in everything that we do in our finances. So we need to have a desire. The Bible tells us that uh, the Lord will give us the desires of our heart. Now, some people get a little confused about what that means. It means that you've got to put God first. We must put the Lord first in order for him to be able to give us the desires of our heart. I believe that when we, when we do that, we get the attention of the Lord. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to have the desires of our heart. But it says first to delight ourselves in the Lord and then he'll give us the desires of our heart. So we must delight ourselves in God, delight ourselves in serving him, and then get our desires established properly. In a lot of my teaching lessons and my counseling sessions I've had on finances, we talk about wants, needs, and desires. And a lot of people get confused about those. I've had people sit down and say, well, Pastor, what we really need in our home are five television sets because we have uh, three children and we need a family TV and my husband needs a a sports TV and and they describe five televisions as a need. Well, I kind of think that might move in the category of want rather than need. In determining our wants and our needs and our desires, we must first go to God's word and see what he wants for us. In addition to that, we need to spend time in prayer in order to keep uh, focused on how the Holy Spirit leads us in making decisions for the financial needs, desires, or wants that we have in our life. Step three is to believe that you can do it. Have, that means have faith that God is able to help you straighten out your finances, get them in proper order, prepare a good budget that's well planned and well thought out, yet one that provides for some fun and some things that uh, will add, add pleasure you know, to our lives. Remember, that the topic that I'm talking about is a quality Christian life. A quality Christian life must be filled with faith, faith to believe that God is able, faith to trust God with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding the The Word of God is expands constantly about talking about having faith to enjoy life. The Lord put us here on earth to enjoy the earth that He created. He also put us here to enjoy relationships with other people and to 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 experience the joy of giving and then receiving back. The Bible tells us to give and it shall be given unto you. And then it says, pressed down, shaken together and running over. That just tells me that our God wants us to enjoy a quality Christian life. A life filled with his goodness and a life filled with the joy of being able to help others. In upcoming podcasts, we'll be talking about faith. I've written a couple of books on the importance of faith, and that God wants us to live a live a life filled with faith. So, in relating to our finances, it does take a step of faith to trust God to put Him first in our finances. And by putting Him first, I believe that then oh, that opens up the windows of heaven. Uh, by putting God first. In, in 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 our actions, our decisions, how we spend money, how we decide where we should live, and 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 what type of car we should buy, and what our standard of living should be, uh, is just so vital to being able to experience. Uh, a a life filled with quality, a life filled with joy, a life filled with abundance, a life uh, overflowing. Uh, And that's the kind of life that I want to live, and I know it's the kind of life that you would desire to live also. So stay with me on this, and we're going to go through God's Word now uh, and look at some scriptures and look at some things that have the promises of God that will take us towards our step of experiencing the joy of debt-free living. One of my favorite books on advice for our finances comes in the book of Proverbs in uh, chapter 3. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation and and there's just so much here. There's so many verses but I'll just pick out a few verses and discuss how they can help us achieve the goals that we have established for ourselves. Our first scripture is found in Proverbs chapter 3 verse number 5. Now, I'm going to be using the New Living Translation, which is my favorite for teaching and, uh, and study. Uh, I use other translations, but this one I think will be very solid and, and comfortable. I'm reading from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Now, in, in, our, in every area of our life, this is vital however when it comes to finances i think the crucial word here is not, words are not to depend on our own understanding a lot of times when we uh, talk about our finances and talk about getting out of debt we've got this game plan we figure we know what we're going to do and how we're going to handle things but uh, this scripture is so important when it comes to understanding how how god wants to be with us in our decisions, in our structure, in putting our budget together, and where we give and where we do not give uh, to others financially. So uh, let's read that once again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means everything, all that you are. Do not depend on your own understanding. All right, let's move on now to verse six. This is Proverbs chapter three, verse six. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, Jesus is famous for many, many things. And one thing he was famous for is when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, Lord, thy will be done, not my will, but thy will be done. And we hear that a lot. We hear preachers preach it. We hear people saying they want God's will. Now, when it comes to finances, obviously it's the same thing. We want God's will in our life, in the decisions that we make, in the things that we decide to spend money on, in places we decide to cut back, Uh, in our giving financially to the church, uh, in the size of home that we have uh, and the type of car that we drive. Uh, When I think about cars, I think about a lady that came to me once and she said, Pastor, I'm so excited. The Lord blessed us with a new truck. And I said, well, that's great. Uh, And I'm really happy that you, you feel that way. And she said, yeah, and the payment is only $850 a month. Now, I had a check in my spirit, and I think you would too on that one, Because I really don't believe necessarily that God uh, blesses us with an automobile payment or truck payment that has uh, $850 a month payments for the next six or seven years. So uh, was that God's will or not? It could have been. However, uh, I would say if we looked at their budget, which I did, I found out that that car payment was about three times higher than what they really could afford. So we should seek his will. And how do we know it's his will? Well, I think we know it's his will when we have peace. I'm a big believer in that, that when, I'm, when my wife and I are thinking about making an investment, planning a vacation, uh, maybe uh, we're right now thinking about possibly selling our home and downsizing to something smaller, uh, I want God's will in it. Now, the way that the Lord speaks to me and the Holy Spirit speaks to me when it comes to knowing his will, if I have his will, I'll have peace. That doesn't mean I'm lazy and don't want to do something. I will have his peace, and it's called the peace of God that passes all understanding, and that peace will guard my heart and guard my mind in Christ Jesus. So with that, my wife and I have always had a policy when it comes to spending money, Uh, deciding on purchasing a car, or going on a vacation, or giving to the church, or helping our grandkids out, or or, or, or purchasing, uh, you know, most anything that we buy, maybe over $100. And and it's very, very important that we feel at peace. Now, if we don't, we've got this other saying that we've come to use in our marital finances, and of which in upcoming episodes, I will be teaching for at least a couple of sessions on uh, finances in our marriage because that's uh, that's just vital. Uh, it's it's known today that the one of the top two or three reasons that people get divorced is because of financial uh, failure in their marriage. So uh, to get back to what I was talking about earlier, the statement that we live by in our home is, when in doubt, don't. Now that sounds pretty simple, but it really is a good way of saying, if I have doubt, I don't have peace. If I don't have peace, I must not have God's will. The second part of verse six says, and he will show you which path to take. I'll tell you, it's a wonderful thing when we know we're on the right path with God. And it's a terrible thing when we're confused and wonder if we're on God's path are operating on our own path and taking our own direction and operating on our own understanding. All right, let's move down to verse seven. Once again, Proverbs chapter three, verse seven, in the New Living Translation: Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now that's a powerful verse because we. Anytime we hear the word wisdom, we feel a little intimidated, but we really shouldn't be because when we become followers of Lord Jesus Christ, we are then given an opportunity through the Holy Spirit to have literally the the wisdom that Christ has. We can have wisdom from heaven above, and so instead of being concerned about that or be, being fearful of the word wisdom, we should embrace it. We should. Tell ourselves, thank you, Lord, and I'm ready now to move forward, but I want your wisdom, I want your direction, so I need you to help me in every area of my life and, of course, in the area of my finances. Then it says in here, instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Well, that really, it it translated, means something different than what people might think it says. I believe that verse, the second part of verse 7, is telling us to follow the Lord and submit ourselves to what he desires in our life and to respect his word and to apply his word to our heart. And when we do that, and we, we are not fearful of God in the sense of being afraid, but we're, we're trustworthy and we're comfortable with what God has to say. If God says it, then those are the things that I want to do in my life. And so uh, God isn't here to beat us up. When the Lord gives us a game plan for our finances, He is not trying to turn us into bankruptcy cases. He doesn't want to wipe us out financially. Just the opposite. Uh, The Lord desires to bless us. He wants us to prosper in all things. And, and I believe prosperity is not a curse unless we allow prosperity to become first in our life and we remove God from that position of strength. So let's always keep God first and then he'll be happy and be blessed and help us to prosper and be in good health even as our soul prospers. Now let's move down to verse number nine in Proverbs 3. Let me read it to you. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Now, these are great instructions. I mean, if you just, if you just look at Proverbs 3, I tell a lot of people that, uh, that, that just read Proverbs 3 first before we have a counseling session because so much of this particular uh, chapter in the book of Proverbs is dedicated to financial decisions. Uh, and of course, a lot of other things in our area of lives. But, uh, but what's crucial is there's instructions here for uh, so much. And let's, let's let it apply to our financial decisions. So honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, the Lord wants to bless us. He wants to prosper us. But when we are prospered by him and when our finances increase and we're debt free and we're in a position to help others, if we don't help others, then we're violating his word. If he blesses us and then we do something else with that blessing, it's really not a blessing in our life. Uh, As a pastor for over 20 years and as a banker for nearly 20 years, I saw so many Christians, uh, mainly Christians, who uh, are the ones that I was concerned about how they handled their finances, because I know that they were going to depend upon God for their blessing. But many many of them would have successful businesses, or they would have a successful, uh, uh, you know, f- with their finances, and making good decisions in their finances. If they didn't own a business, they invested wisely, or they bought a home wisely. Uh, and 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 that's great, but sometimes when they received the financial blessing, uh, they would then spend those funds on something like maybe a cabin up in the mountains, which, by the way, I don't have a problem with a cabin in the mountains. My wife and I owned a home up in Prescott, Arizona, which is up in the mountains, and that was our retreat. It was our place we got away. But that never became more important than attending church. The cabin never kept us from being faithful to our church and attending the place where we were being fed and where God was blessing us. So it's a danger when God blesses us with finances and then we take those finances and go buy something like a boat or maybe a vacation home and and there's nothing wrong with those two things unless they become more important than serving God. If If that boat keeps us out of church every Sunday, I'd get rid of the boat. If that home up in the mountains doesn't allow us to be faithful to the church or doesn't allow us the finances to be able to tithe of our finances to the work of the Lord, I'd get rid of that home up in the mountains because I don't want anything, and I know you don't either. You want, I don't you want anything to come between you and the blessings of the Lord. So let's honor that word that says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. Then it says, And with the best part of everything you produce. Now, the best part, what's the best part of what you produce? If you produce a good family, then honor the Lord uh, with that family being taught the word of God, praying together. Uh, spending time together, doing church things together, and with non-church people, inviting them to the house of God, and 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 the things that you produce, the the friendships that you gain, the the financial blessings that you get, or uh, or possibly uh, just simply the fact that your life has changed. Maybe you had a an addiction or something, and you found the Lord, and now you've gotten rid of that addiction, and God's taken that from you because you gave it away to Him. Uh, honor Him with that, uh, and and and. That's the best thing that you can produce is a, is a life dedicated to serving God. A life that's committed to your family. A life that uh, is focused on God be first and everything else is nowhere near as important. And I believe that God will bless you. Now we're moving forward uh, to the next episode soon, uh, dealing with our finances, and and, uh, I'm looking forward to that episode, and let me just give you a little sneak preview of what we're going to talk about. Hopefully, with the leading of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we will address in our next episode prosperity teaching. Now, I'm not a guy who believes in give a thousand dollars to the Lord and expect ten million dollars to come back in. but I am a believer in the Lord that when you bless the work of the Lord you will prosper. Um, many times and we're going to talk about this particular area, a lot of folks want to prosper financially but they have a problem understanding they should first prosper spiritually. If your focus is, if our focus is always on, I want to prosper financially. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's the key. That's what I want to do. Obviously, a person has a problem with their spiritual prosperity. So, so spiritual prosperity and financial prosperity go together. You can have both, and don't let someone tell you that you can't. Uh, they'll say, well, you're a religious nut or you're just overdoing or you're overgiving. I can remember when my wife and I were being blessed and we would give a large amount to the church uh, for some reason or another, for some special event or something, and make a very sizable donation. Uh, somebody, I would find out about it. I'd be talking to them and ask me, how much did you give? And I'd say, well, I'd rather not tell you, but they kind of forced me to. And I'd tell them, they say, you're crazy. You don't really believe that the church needs that. And I thought, well, God didn't need it, but I needed to give it. And when we have that mindset, then our spiritual life is prepared for God to bless us financially. And we can then have financial prosperity, which is birthed from a solid relationship with the Lord and spiritual growth in our life. So, until we meet next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He shine His face upon you and be gracious unto you. And uh, I'm look forward to talking to you on our next podcast. In the meantime, if you wonder where I'm getting all this material, uh, I'm teaching from my own book that I wrote entitled "Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living." Uh, it's on Amazon, and you can uh, all the things I'll be teaching about. I've got books that I've written. Uh, on these topics, and uh, they're available on Amazon uh, or my webpage, uh, davidcfriendauthor.com. So the Lord bless you. Look forward until we meet again.